if someone were to ask you, though, uh, what is the most important verse in the Bible, what would you say? If we were to spend time and, and spend the whole afternoon going around and asking each person, I bet there would be a lot of different answers. Uh, most of America probably would say it's John 3.16 because it's the only Bible verse that they might know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Uh, if you ask a Catholic, they might say it's Matthew chapter 16, right? That Peter is the rock and, that, and on that rock Jesus will build the church. If you ask a Methodist, they might say it's Philippians 2, Philippians 2 which says that uh, you should work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, if you love the Re- Reformation and you have a Biblehead of John Calvin and Martin Luther in your office at church, uh, it might be uh, Romans 3.28, which says, For we maintain, maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works. Uh, but if you, you might find that the more people you ask, you'll, you'll find a different answer, and it's based off of their theology. What they think about God is what they think is important in the Word. Uh, so what, what if you ask Jesus that question? What is the most important commandment in, in the Bible? What would he say, you wonder? Well, you don't have to wonder. Because someone asked him that question, and the answer's in the Bible. Uh, someone asked him, what's the, important, what's the most important commandment? And he said, the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. He said, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all your soul and all of your mind, he says. And uh, so this was not a foreign question to Jesus when the person asked him. This was a common practice in Israel. People would uh, come up to these rabbis, and they'd ask the question, what, what do these commandments mean? How am I supposed to live? Sum it up. There's actually a story in the Talmud about this, uh, this Gentile who comes up to this Jewish rabbi and he says, if you can teach me all 600 commandments in, while standing on one foot, if you can teach me the whole Torah, I'll convert. So the guy stands on one foot and he says this. Well, it's not hero Israel. He says this, that which is hateful to you, do not do to another. That's the entire Torah and the rest is its interpretation. Go and study. So the guy obviously converted because it was so short, right? But that was a common thing. That people wanted to know, how do I know God? What do these commandments mean? How do I please him? Sum that up for me. And so people would come come up with these phrases to explain that. And this was Jesus' phrase, right? uh, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and all of your mind. And this is what he said. This sums up the law and the prophets. And so Jesus was pointing back to the law, and he was putting, this. he's saying, this is my gospel. My gospel is in here. Uh, Live here. This is how you will know about God, Uh, not only know about God, but that you will know who he is and live for him. And so what we're going to do this morning in the next 10 minutes is we're going to jump into the text and we're going to try and understand what is this original meaning uh, in the Hebrew and understand it actually applies to us today in really relevant ways. So let's pray one more time before we dig in. Oh God, you are a good God, and you are the only one worthy of our praise, God. And we we pray that we would be a people who are in awe of you, and that as we seek your word this morning, that we would be hungry for it, and that we'd seek your truth, God. Thank you for today as we celebrate our students. Thank you for the chance we've gotten to uh, love on them and and pray for them and seek them out, God. But uh, it's amazing to, to us that our love for them doesn't even compare to your love for them, and our hope for them doesn't even compare to the hope you have set for them, God. Uh, And so I pray that as we read your words and as we reflect and worship together, that they would worship alongside of us and we would send them out well, uh, commending them in your word and that they would uh, seek to follow you even after today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this passage in the Hebrew says this. Tom's going to judge me. He's right here. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Ve'ehevita Adonai Eloheka, Ve'kol Levavka, Uve'kol Neveshka, I was only going to read that in Hebrew to show off, and I said that's only half true, 
because I want to look at the words uh, in the Hebrew because they carry a lot of different meaning than what we would think they mean in English. And so the first word uh, that uh, is in this prayer is actually the word that the prayer is known for. It's called the Shema, which means hear or listen. And so when you're reading Deuteronomy, you're reading actually these uh, sermons from Moses before he was uh, going to die. And, and we come to this word over and over again, listen, listen. And then we, we come to this command here uh, two times. And the students know I repeat myself a lot because we learn through repetition. And in, in ancient Israel and in, in the Greek language, they didn't have bold or underlined. So if something was important, they would repeat it. And so here we have Shema, Shema, listen, listen. Listen, Linda, if you watch YouTube, (laughs) listen. And so to us, we read this as an urgent call to listen. But for the Jewish people, they also knew that this word didn't mean just to listen, just to hear. It actually also meant to do. Listen and act is what that word actually means. And so if if someone who understood Hebrew were to read uh, the book of James, and they read about how we're not only supposed to hear the word, but do what it says, they would just respond and say, Shema, the word of God. Live and act the word of God. And so uh, Shema means more than listen. It means listen and respond. And so the prophets understood this word to mean that same thing. And that's why they actually talked about it this way. They would say the people hear, uh, the people have ears to hear, but they are not understanding. And it's not that they were deaf. They did not not hear the law. They weren't acting on it. They weren't living on that. And so that call is actually the same for us today. When we read the word, we're not just supposed to hear the words of God. We're supposed to listen and act. And so uh, God's people were urgently being called from Moses to listen and act. And this morning, uh, that is the same for us. And so as we celebrate this morning, I want to go through this passage and, and to listen and to act. And I want to give that to our students, that they would hear the words of God and they would continue to act on them. But the same question is true for today. How do we uh, know God and how do we live for him? I want to show three things that come out of this passage about how we can do that. And the first is this. We must believe in God as he defines himself. We must believe in God as he defines himself. And so in ancient Israel, the Shema was groundbreaking for the Jewish people. It was the establishment and a continual reminder, as they're supposed to repeat it over and over again, that God was one. All right, And at that time, every region had their own God. And so this was an establishment saying, no, there are no other gods but me. And so when all these people, you know, there's a God of the rain and a God of you know, the water and, and of ground, and, and this region had their God, this is saying, no, God is saying, no, I am the only God. And so people today might say, that's so narrow-minded, right? That's so, uh, that's so intolerant. But what you might find is that their view might be just as intolerant it is not wrong to say no today. Uh, I, I kind of see it this way. I have a, an analogy, and it's of Mike Epley. I like to call Mike Epley is one of our builders in our church, and I like to call Mike Epley an engineer, right? Even though he's not, right? So he just said himself, and I, I call him an engineer over and over again because, I mean, Mike builds houses. He likes to design them. He, he can come up. He's a problem solver. He's good at math. And so to me, Mike is an engineer, and he'll tell everyone, I'm not an engineer. But to me... But to me, you're an engineer, and actually, I'm going to write a biography about you, and I'm going to write, it's going to be Mike Epley, the engineer, a life of engineering. I'm the intolerant one. I'm not even listening to who Mike is, and I call him my friend, but yet, that's not his identity, right? People want to put on top of God, or or someone they want to be close to, they're going to define them, 
when they act actually the opposite is true. God has defined himself and he's offered himself to us. And so that's how this passage starts. Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is the triune God of the Bible. This is who you are to worship. And so the problem with the people who put their uh, definitions on God is that they're going to find themselves, just like uh, Mark was talking about, they're going to find themselves in a situation where they feel selfless and hurting. And if they, de if they defined, if they made up their own God to believe in, how is that God going to have any power to tell them that they have worth, that they have value? And so God is one. This, the, the God of the Bible is the true God, and you can seek after that truth, and you can say no to the world. Number two, we must love God with every fiber of our being to the max. Cool and relevant word. We must love God with every fiber of our being to the max. And so as the Shema continues, uh, and this is the section that most people uh, think about and, and talk about because the words are so uh, relevant to us, it's the words heart, soul, and strength. But the words are very different in the Hebrew. And so the word uh, heart, which is the first one, is levav. And the word developed over generation, generation meaning different things. But in today, we kind of think of it as this emotional kind of aspect. Uh, but if you read the book of Hebrews, you'd find that the heart in Hebrew has a lot of different meanings for these people. Uh, the first is that this, rep this represents, they knew that the heart was something that was inside of them. And if it stopped, then their life ended. So the word heart represented all of their physical life, their, their physical being. Uh, the second is that they had no concept for the brain, and so it represented their intellect, right? It, it represented uh, wh what they were thinking and, and what was going on inside their head. Uh, and then it also, like today, it carried that emotional aspect uh, for Israel. The, their heart was the source of pain and the source of joy. Uh, and actually, the, word, the, the term a broken heart comes from the biblical Hebrew that we use today. And uh, beyond that, the last one is that it is the source of our choices. It's how we discern things. And so the word heart doesn't just have this emotional aspect. It's actually Moses was using it as a word of everything that we are, we should love God with. Our, our physical aspects, our emotional aspects, our intellect and our choices should all be that, that love God. And so there was also a problem because Moses knew that the heart of man was what? Wicked evil. Moses knew that. He talked about it that way. And he actually talked about how man needs a circumcision of the heart. Uh, there was a prophet, Jeremiah, and after Israel had turned their backs on God, he said that the human heart is fundamentally broken and that, um, that God would need to put inside them new hearts. Uh, King David, when he had failed and he had uh, murdered, committed murder and he had uh, committed adultery, he said, he prayed to God and he said, create in me a pure heart, O God. And then a later prophet, Ezekiel, he described a God who has chosen to remove hearts of stone and replace them with living hearts of flesh. And so when it says that we're supposed to love God with all of our heart, Moses knew that that was not on just us, right? God would have to give us a new heart to love him with. Okay, so that's heart. The second word is soul. It's, it's nefesh. And this word in English has been completely warped. And so I'm gonna, we're going to wipe away all of we're going to give you the right answer for what soul means, okay? We're going to divorce it from the, th the idea that you have in your mind, and I'm arrogantly going to tell you what's right, okay? So the word soul, in, uh, we've been in, ingrained with this idea from Greek philosophy that it's some kind of separation from the body, that you have a soul and you have a body, and after you die, your soul lives on and your body goes away. But that was completely, that was not a part of the Hebrew language. The word soul, uh, actually, the, the phrase is actually comes from the word throat, and so, so one of the phrases that it was used was that you, uh, when the 
Israel was in the desert and they were complaining that, you know, back in Egypt we had watermelons and we had cucumbers, but now our nephesh has dried up. Another term that you might know it from is the Psalms when he says that as the deer pants for water, so my nephesh thirsts for you. All right? And so it's this idea that it's not just what comes into you, but it creates your entire being, who you are. And so we don't have a nephesh. We don't have a soul. We are a soul. It's all that we are. And so Moses uses this word heart and soul to represent your entire being should love God. And he puts these words together, and he uses this last word. It's not a thing. He, he says the word meod, which is strength. Uh, it's interesting because it's the only time in the Bible that this word is translated as strength. The word actually should be translated as much or very. It's, it's like an adjective to another word that intensifies that word. So that's, I'm going to translate it to the max, okay? So you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul to the max. It intensifies, intensifies both those words. So how do we do that? How do we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength? The passage continues, and it says that we are to teach God's word, to talk about God's word, and to post God's word. And it uses these different things that people took literally over a long period of time, but we know that it means something more than how they literally translated it. Uh, When we lie down and when we get up, representing when you wake up and, and when you go to sleep. That's all the time. When you are at home and when you're on the road. So not just your home life, but in public life. Uh, on your head and on, on your hands, uh, suggesting that we are to love God not just on the inside of in our, in our minds, but also we're supposed to act on that. We're supposed to do things. Uh, we're to post it on our homes and on the city gates. So it's also not just in loving God with our families, but within our civic and our economic life. And so we are to love God not just on Sunday mornings or, or in our rooms at night or when we pray, but every nook and cranny of our lives is supposed to, we're supposed to love God with all that we are to the max. So my third point we're supposed to share his story, which is our story. So people tend to ask, not only how can I know uh, and live for God, but, how, uh, but why should I know and live for God? Uh, and that was, is a common, that was a common question even for the Jewish people. Uh, and a sufficient answer is at the very beginning, right? He, listen, Israel, I'm God, right? A parent can say that to a kid. Kid comes up, why do I have to listen to you? Because I'm dad. Right? That's a common thing, and it's a sufficient answer. But what is so amazing about God is he actually gives us a reason why we should listen. And it's not just a command. He gives us a story of why we should listen, which is amazing and gracious. So if you look at verse 20, it says uh, that a child will ask, what is the meaning of this? Why, why do I have to follow this? And the response was not, well, because I'm God. The response is because look at what God has done for you. <coughs> Right? And they shared the story that they had at the time, which represented the gospel of, of their exit out of Egypt and this Passover about how they had to sacrifice a lamb and, and wipe the blood on the doorpost. And God's wrath was going to come down and it passed over all of God's people because of the sacrificed blood of the lamb. And today when we read this, we know the full story, which is that Jesus was our sacrificed lamb, that we live underneath his blood as, as redemption for us. And so we are a part of that story. So in the last couple minutes, I just want to take those three things, and I want to just add application, especially for our graduating seniors. I wanted to share this passage. Uh, We, as a church, want our students to know God and live for him, uh, and we want them to live that story in their lives, especially as they graduate. So the first thing, uh, I want you to put that story into your life, weave that into your life, to find ways to post the gospel on your door and and to wear it and to live it in the inside of your home and outside of your home. 
Uh, there was a girl who worked at my camp that I went to in the summers in high school, and she ended up passing away in college, and her, her parents would just kind of lay in her bed, and they would look at this uh, poster that they put, she put on the wall uh, that said, uh, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And it's this idea that every morning they took comfort in the fact that every morning she woke up and she wanted to honor God and she went to bed wanting to honor God. And it's that, do we do those practical things that puts the gospel into our hearts? Do we love to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength? A second, notice that this command to love God is not to individuals, right? It doesn't say, hey, is, hey Aaron, you know, love the Lord your God. It doesn't say, you know, hey, guy, listen to this. It says, uh, listen, Israel. Listen, the people of God, and it's the same for us today. Listen, church, we are a community. We're meant to live out this, uh, the gospel together. I shared the statistic last year that was done in 2017 that 70% of students who are, grew up in the church stop going to church when they go to college. 80% of those said that they did not plan on stopping going to church. That is an epidemic, and it's this, I, this philosophy that says, I don't need church. I don't need other Christians. I can do my own thing and live out what God has for me on my own, and I'm just going to tell you that, that isn't, that's not what the Bible says. We're to, we're to love God together. And so seek out as you graduate and as you go out, and even you guys make church important, um, but the first 72 hours, they say, is the most important time in college where you find your community and you make your decisions. And so find a church now. Be looking for a church right when you get there and, and plug right in. And the last thing that I want to share is that um, we shouldn't be keeping the story to ourselves. And we don't just want to send them off to, to be involved in the church. We want to send them off as missionaries who carry the gospel with them. We see them as, as completely valuable for, for the kingdom of God and, and to do great things. And so that's my prayer for you. So go out and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and share that with the world. Let's pray one more time and we'll sing together uh, to close. Father God, thank you for this time that we've gotten to share together. Thank you for your word that gives us truth. And thank you for the opportunity for these students to share and, and the fact that your, these students confess your name, God. I pray they continue to do that uh, even as they leave here and they'd find a church quickly to plug into and that they would uh, share your name to the ends of the earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.